The following program is intended for mature audiences. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. What are you people, on soap? All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. But first, it's time for the opening gem of the day. Being old sucks.
All right, all right. Nice little lead in there with some bowling for soup. Doing a little ditty called Getting Old Sucks, but everybody's doing it. Yeah. Welcome, gang, to another episode of the Riffs and Rants podcast. I am Johnny Teflon, and I am flying solo tonight as my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Sean Lee, is taking some well-deserved R&R, enjoying himself some vacations. I hope he's having a blast. And we were going to wait and, you know, maybe take a couple weeks off. And I'm finding myself here uh, on a very, very relaxing Friday night with nothing better to do. So I'm going to talk to you because there's so much going on and there's so much I got to get off my chest. And let's face it, that's pretty much the purpose for this, for this podcast, right? Stir up a little conversation, have a little civilized debate. You know how it is. Been doing this forever. So anyway, thank you again, Bowling for Soup, for the intro. And that was off their 2021 album, Pop Drunk Snot Bread. Yeah, fun band. You know, some people say the biggest musical contribution of the 90s might have been the the full maturation of hip-hop, might have been the burgeoning uh, mainstream NASCAR-driven country scene, you know, behind superstars like Garth Brooks. Uh, Some people, like this guy right here, might say, I just enjoyed me some ska punk, you know, and and skate music because it was just so refreshing and energized and different than everything else that was out there. So those bands of of the 90s and the early 2000s, thank you so much for your contributions. And I went with that song because, as always, we have an agenda, right? So... With the name of a song like Getting Old Sucks, but everybody's doing it, what do you think I'm going to talk about? In my day, we didn't have these thin latex condoms. Yeah. Getting Old in Washington, D.C. Now, what we saw over the past week was the second... uh, People are speculating what it was. Mini-stroke... Uh, effects from a concussion, possibly. But Mitch McConnell, in the middle of another news conference in uh, Kentucky, just kind of froze and was 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 off the planet for a few moments. And, you know, I, I want to be clear that as I'm discussing this, let's be adults in the room. And I'm talking about some kind of controls in place or parameters that as of right now do not exist, okay? If you got a heartbeat and you're 105 and you're still in office, they can leave you in office, okay? As we're seeing, again, sorry for the bitter truth, but Miss Diane Feinstein. Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. From California, you know, look, she's got to get wheeled around by AIDS, They've got to, you know, speak up in her ear and whisper and give her advice and whatnot and how to vote. And, you know, she's saying that she was already someplace where she wasn't. And and let's go further up the mountain. Let's go to the top of the mountain and look at her president. All right? There's no way, there's no way any rational person can look at the performance of Joe Biden in any of his speeches, in any of his impromptu uh you know, boarding Air Force One and Marine One and trying to, you know, field a couple questions on the way, or just his attitude. This is a, a, a doddering old senior on the decline. 
And while we cherish those members of our community in their golden years because of the wisdom they've amassed and how precious that is, you got to ask yourself, with these individuals that are carrying these highest offices in the land, would you trust them babysitting a toddler? Would you trust them with a firearm? Would you trust them to drive themselves around town to go get groceries and come back to the house? If those answers tend to be no, or if you even have to pause, I ask everybody around the world within the sound of my voice, does it make any sense having these individuals in an August body such as the House of Representatives or the Senate or the White House making those rules by which our society is governed? And I think if you search your soul for an honest answer without an agenda, because this is happening on the left, on the right, and in the middle, there has to be a change. Now, perhaps that change starts with term limits, which is another idea that, to the average American, is a no-brainer. If they were to have this just as a popular referendum and they took a vote on it nationwide, I guarantee you, there would be an overwhelming level of support and this would pass immediately. But you'll never see it happen. Because whenever those in power are given an option to freely relinquish power, other in the isolated case of the founding of this country, in particular George Washington, it never happens. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And in some cases, it's not always malicious. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees when you've been at that level for that long, surrounded by sycophants and yes, men and women. And you don't know what the average price of gas is or what the average American family is paying on groceries and how they're struggling to get by. You don't know. It's not always as simple as, and this is where I depart from a lot of my friends on the right, it's not about outlandish memes about Joe Biden, you know, with, with blood on his hands and intentionally costing American service people their lives. It's not about that. And it's not about everybody on the left acting like the squad and being ridiculous. No, most of our politicians and our elected officials, in terms of where they stand on things, are always somewhere in the middle. Sometimes a little left, sometimes a little right. But yeah, by and large... At least when they get into Washington, they represent us, kind of like they're supposed to. But you leave them in there too long, their perspectives become polluted. It's as simple as that. Ideas, methods, became unsound. But back to the original point. It came up earlier on this year about cognitive testing for those in office over a particular age. And there is a massive hullabaloo and people with their isms, you know, they love their isms. They would say this is ageism, you know, and and we're going back to, you know, a period of the, the 70s and 80s when the, the value of our seniors really wasn't appreciated as much as it should have been. And they're saying, oh, it's going back to that. And you're looking to take away their rights. And, you know, these, these people built this country and they, they served in our armed forces. And they have a say. And 
I agree with all of that, okay? And I myself have elderly parents who I love dearly, but everybody gets old, kind of like the song says. Well, those of us that are lucky enough, everybody gets old. My time will come too. Yours will come when our children, or maybe younger brothers and sisters, will have to make some decisions for us because our faculties will decline. This is a part of life. This is the circle of life. It's not something to be vilified, abhorred, and feared. Message! As adults and as civilized people, we need to address this. Because it's only going to get worse. Me personally, regardless of my feelings of, of, of Joe Biden and his, his agenda, his accomplishments, and, and anything of that nature, I feel 100% he's too old to run again. That's just my opinion. And to keep things fair, I mean, I don't wish for another Trump presidency, though I had voted for him in the past. Because he too, not just with which is all the distractions of the court cases going on now, but he's in his late 70s as well. So again, let's not split hairs, okay? But looking at Donald Trump, he's just he's he's more energetic, he's more virile, he's I don't know if you could say better spoken than, than Joe, but you know what? He's more on point. He's more spontaneous. And he's not flubbing what he's trying to say because his every word is scripted, unlike Joe. All right. And, and maybe that's what makes these people seem more deliberate in their speech. And maybe it's what makes them seem like they're having a hard time processing the questions and the answers and whatnot. Because they are trying to adhere to such a strict uh, code and message. Maybe that's it. Look, like I said, I'm not an unreasonable person. But if we back things up again, what's the harm in saying because of all the awesome responsibility that these offices hold, what's wrong with taking simple cognitive tests? If you pass them, then not only are you in the clear, but the rest of us then would be a, a lot more at ease and thinking that, well, we don't have to worry about that at least, okay? These people are sharp, they're firing on all cylinders, and yes, they are the best that we can have in the office right now. What, what's, what's the harm in that? My point is there is none. So it's more swamp nonsense holding it up and working against the will of the common people. And it's wrong, okay? When I was younger... You know, there was a case of, of Strom Thurmond still being in the Senate until, I don't know, 100 years old or some nonsense like that. I mean, he was, he, he was just another example of, like I said, they've been on both sides of the aisle. When it's time to go, it's time to go. So apparently, in the case of Feinstein, Biden, uh, McConnell, apparently, personal pride is either completely absent, and that's what's you know, keeping these people in office while they're up there embarrassing themselves, or it's too much personal pride. They're telling themselves, kind of like the aging quarterback that thinks he's got one more good season left in him, that they are still at the top of their game and they can 100% do right by the American people, okay? I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's they're victims of their own machine. They're a cog in their own respective party machine that says, well, no, You've got to stay in office because we need this seat to belong to our party. And it, I was under the impression that, you know, they were keeping Feinstein in office 
just for a little while longer so she could retire her seat. They could appoint another Democrat, which supposedly was going to be Adam Schiff. And, you know, that's why they were doing that. But now she's like looking to stay on. I mean, somebody needs to step in. There needs to be an oversight committee. And perhaps this is something that the judicial branch needs to step up and intervene in. Okay. I'm not saying they need to pick and choose who stays and who goes, but they need to step up and say, look, to execute the office of this branch of government, you need to have it all upstairs. You know, you need to be firing on all cylinders. It's as simple as that. And this is one of those things that we shouldn't have a debate about. But the powers that be, the powers that are already entrenched and dug into these offices, like an Alabama tick, they're not going to change. So it's up to us to come up with a way and, and, and get the stuff to change. And perhaps, folks, perhaps the first step on that road is to elect ourselves a next generation younger president. And by younger, I'm not saying 65. I'm not even saying 60. We need to go younger. You know, in the world we live in that is so laden with hyper-fast developments in technology and AI, we need a young thinker that is adept and can, and, and you know, deal with these things and have an understanding of this stuff past whatever their cabinet minister for that department is telling them. You know, you don't need to be an expert at everything, but you need to be able to speak intelligently about it and I challenge you to convince me that, again, these three individuals, the Biden, the Feinsteins, the McConnells, and I'm sure there's a slew more, can speak intelligently about modern issues confronting not just this country, but the world. And that's it. That's my opening segment. Woo! Thankfully, just like when Michael Sean Lee is here, we got more gems. Now, the second half of the program, woof! It's probably going to be me being a little salty. This is me being diplomatic. The next one's kind of salty, kind of personal. So we're going to come at you with this fun little gem by one of my favorite bands called Cake. And the name of this tune is Comfort Eagle. And I'm going to play this for you now. And we'll be right back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff. We are building a religion, we are building it bigger We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes We are building a religion, a limited edition We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains To resist it is useless, it is useless to resist it His cigarette is burning, but he never seems to ash He is grooming his poodle, he is living comfort eagle you can meet at his location, but you'd better come with cash Now his hat is on backwards, he can show you his tattoos He is in the music business, he is calling you Dude! Now today is tomorrow, and tomorrow today And yesterday is weaving in and out And the fluffy white lines that the airplane leaves behind Are drifting right in front of the waning of the moon He is handling the money He's serving the food He knows about your party He is calling you Dude, yeah, do you believe In the one big sign The double white shine On the boot heels 
of your prime Doesn't matter if you're skinny Doesn't matter if you're fat You can dress up like a sultan In your onion head hat We are building a religion We're making a brand We're the only ones to turn to When your castles turn to sand Take a bite of this apple Mr. Corporate Events Take a walk to the jungle Of cardboard shanties and tents Some people drink Pepsi Some people drink Coke The wacky morning DJ says Democracy's a joke He says now do you Thank you, Cake. Love that tune. Love the bass line on that tune. You know, Cake's a, they, they a quirky band. I mean, very, very talented. Almost in the vein of, you know, superior musicians like when Steely, Gan, uh, Steely Dan rather would get together. It's like that. And I had the privilege of seeing Cake live once, front row center. And never before had I heard uh, a band put on a show where they sounded exactly like the record. These guys are flawless, you know? And their songs are all quirky. And this one always rang true with me because as you're listening to the lyrics, it's um, really just a scathing criticism of popular culture and, and more so the people that deliver it to us. The wacky morning DJs, the record producers, and just everybody you know in the know, the Hollywood agent types and whatnot. And it's just like a giant middle finger to them. <laughs> and it's fun. And I went with that as the uh, opening to the second half because next up here's a little thing that just kind of happened this week that I'm I'm saying to myself have these people no shame and their own love affair with themselves <laughs> and I'm referencing uh, a new podcast out there and you know I love to make fun of other podcasts look we're not the best but we're certainly not the worst and we've been around a lot longer than a lot of other ones with a lot more downloads so normally I make fun of, say, Alec Baldwin because, you know. Trash. Exactly. Well, I, I got a new one on the blog. My new favorite with a giant bullseye on it. Um, 
It's called the Strike Force 5 podcast, and it consists of such luminaries as Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Myers, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, and John Oliver. And supposedly they're doing this to raise money uh, for the writers who are on strike. Their writers in particular. And I find that to be a doubly funny it just wrote itself punchline because you listen to this tripe (laughs) for five minutes and you see the value of, of Hollywood writers. You know, you got five individuals that have made quite a nest egg for themselves, okay? And I'll say that I kind of almost give a pass to Jimmy Fallon because I always felt like Jimmy Fallon was kind of, for whatever reason, thrust into popularity whether he wanted to or not. Even from his early days on, on, on SNL, not being able to not break character in any of the skits that he did. People just liked him. They found him funny. You know, he took over for Jay Leno and he's been successful ever since. And out of these five people I just mentioned, he does the least of the, I don't know, what I call the low-hanging fruit Trump conservative jokes, you know, that the other ones, it's it's just their bread and butter to the point of being sickening. I mean, come on. Jimmy Kimmel up there acting like he's, you know, the gatekeeper like Mark Twain to, to American humor. He's a stooge, all right? And he said, well, I was going to retire before the strike, but now I realize, you know, how much this is really my passion and, and I need to be out there. And No, you don't. And and no, we don't need you, okay? <laughs> and this, 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 again, this podcast is proof positive that you've got five untalented hacks that without their writers w- w- would be selling, you know, cold pretzels on a Philadelphia street corner, okay? If you're from Philly, you know what I mean, you know the type. So... They got on this thing, and I and I guarantee that as it goes on, they're going to revert to their old wells of, oh, let's make fun of conservatives, you know? And, of course, they won't acknowledge that Greg Gutfeld over on Fox has, has been eating their lunch before <laughs> this, this strike kicked in, you know? And I imagine he's probably in the same boat because all these guys have writers. And, look, they have writers because what they do or what they should be doing on a nightly basis is incredibly difficult. You know, you speak to any, let's say, stand-up comedian, and they need weeks and weeks and sometimes months and sometimes years to fine-tune new material for, say, uh, best case, an an hour-long show, let's say. Whereas all of these nighttime talk shows, they're doing it... In, in most cases, five nights a week. John Oliver does it, you know, once a week, and then even that's seasonal. But it's just like, it's a lot of work, okay? And, you know, out of this bunch, you could almost make an argument to dump Bill Maher with them. But Bill Maher, to his credit, is a real thinker, and some of his stuff is generally funny. I certainly don't always agree with him, but hands the guy, he, he comes up with his own ideas, not these morons. So, you got Jimmy Kimmel, who's, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the benefits of being older, you, you remember people where they started. As far as I'm concerned, he's still telling, you know, sorority fat girl jokes and, and, and talking to people on the street on the man show and having girls jump on trampolines. I mean, again, this this guy isn't, isn't uh, 
up for any American Humor Awards. And then you got Stephen Colbert, who I used to find hysterical when he was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and the character he created. And even though it was making fun of conservatives, it was witty and it was original and it was never mean-spirited. And real satire, I mean, well-done satire, especially political, it succeeds when it's not necessarily mean-spirited, you know? And it can be a very useful tool of democracy, don't get me wrong, when it's done right. But look, folks, you watch TV, you turn on any one of these shows when they're back on the air, and what are they doing? Just making fun of people that go to church, you know? Looking down upon military people. And it's just, I, I look, I just don't care for him, okay? <laughs> and Seth Meyers, I mean, shit, this guy used to be a head writer for Saturday Night Live. Another very, very difficult job. But, I mean, seriously, who watches his show? College kids? When I was in college, I watched Conan O'Brien. Notice Conan O'Brien is noticeably absent from this star chamber of, of pseudo-intellectual comedians. <laughs> You know why? Because Conan was funny. Conan went to Harvard. You know, he wrote for the National Lampoon and the Hasty Pudding and, and, and did some of the best Simpsons episodes ever. The guy's got actual talent. He doesn't belong with these clowns. John Oliver. Really? Bro? I'm just saying the last thing this country wants to hear is a British person make fun of us and our and our culture. Just, yeah, just, just don't, okay? And... <laughs> Sometimes on his show last week tonight on HBO, they do some amazing, amazing investigative reporting. They did pieces on on OxyContin. They did a teardown piece on uh, World Wrestling Entertainment and Vince McMahon and how you know none of these wrestlers are able to unionize or get health benefits. Sometimes they really do some great stuff. And then comes his monologue, and he, he, he's you know doing this this sophomore eighth grade lunch table humor like he's again some well-renowned published humorist none of y'all are you you, you kind of suck okay so anyway enjoy your little podcast i wish you the best of luck really i do lies oh lies but i'm gonna have to do a hard pass on this one mm. ah, as i enjoy some beverage because it's just more of the same. And personally, I'm not missing any of these scripted entertainment shows. Or however you want to, you know, paraphrase it. Whatever you want to categorize them as. Because, yeah, they're, they're not that entertaining. Now, maybe when they come back, things will be different. Because don't forget, the last time the writers went on strike, we were gifted with the phenomenon known as reality TV. Which really isn't worth its weight in shit either. But we got used to it. And from there, you know, people realize they're like, wow, everything on, on regular TV is this, this, you know, reality scripted nonsense. And what happened to the shows? And you started to get the advent, I, I guess you would say, of the pay-per-view channels really flexing their muscle and their talent rosters to come up with some of these amazing shows. Like The Sopranos, you know, on over on uh, HBO, or Deadwood, or even before that, Oz, you know, and then The Wire, you know, shows on AMC, like The Walking Dead, 
I mean, all of this stuff happened. And even in some cases on network TV, they were like, holy crap, you know what? We, we need to start doing some shows that can get people invested with characters they care about. So ABC was pumping out Lost. You know, remember that was such a phenomenon? I think it was NBC had the show Heroes. That was a phenomenon. <laughs> Maybe that's what's going to come from this. And as Michael Sean Lean and I had uh, touched on in a previous episode, it's not that we don't support the actors and the writers. It's just that, well, we support the writers, put it that way. <laughs> but with everything going on and, you know, in inflation and interest rates and everything, it's hard for us to come up with some kind of sympathy for people in the entertainment industry who we've always been shown live kind of a charmed life. You know what I'm saying? You know, nobody's hurting on the Oscars. Put it that way. But we shall see. We shall see what happens. Now, before we get to the third gem, I just want to say that we are no longer doing the video version presentation of the show on YouTube. And here's why. After all the scuttlebutt about can we use music, can we not use music, we found that doing a version of the show, even with the video elements and the stuff that we had planned to do on there, it's just not the same. This is just not the same podcast without the gems. And in talking with people that listen to the show, you know, some people say, yeah, I listen to it for, for the gems. And then listening to like why you guys picked it, you know, one of my friends that listens says, you know, it's not even so much the song, really. I just like hearing you guys talk about it and, and learning some history behind the stuff. And, you know, you never know what people are going to tune in, what aspect of it that they like. But you should be smart enough not to take a big piece like that away. And the more research I did and the more I learned about, you know, copyright laws and online, what is and isn't allowed, it's kind of like, look, nobody's going to be coming after the show if we play it, but... Um, a lot of the stuff to, you know, recognize and pull material once these algorithms find uh, copyrighted material in your stuff, it just gets yanked and it takes way too much time for a small little shop that we have here, meaning me, to edit this stuff and do the special effects and get the sound right and everything. It's way too time consuming um, for a big question mark as far as how it's being received so we're going to stick to what got us to the dance and got us through 100 and wow, this is 157 episodes now seen in countries or listened to rather in countries all over the world. Well over the, the 20,000 download threshold at this point, we're going to do what works. You know, that's how dad did it. That's how we're going to do it to quote Iron Man. So I just want everybody to be aware of that. And of course, by the same token, if you ever have an idea, a question, a comment, anything about the show, please drop us a line. It's as simple as sending me an email at john at bigboomradio.com. Simple as that. And guess what? You're going to be amazed. I'm like Santa Claus. I will probably play a song you request. I will probably mention your little name. Stuff like that. Keep you involved. Because it, it takes a village to make this thing happen. So, on that note, it is indeed time for a third gem. And this one I went with uh, not one of the normal artists we would play, although certainly the man is a pedigree. This particular song by him, I'm playing it because in my own personal life, just got to a rough patch, out of the rough patch now. 
a lot of new beginnings, both career-wise and, and in my personal life. Uh, so I needed a little something uplifting, and just because it's me, I needed it to be snarky. And also because it's me, I needed it done with just a little bit of pizzazz, right? So here now, we are going to play for you uh, one of my favorite songs by Prince, and it's called Cream. And we're going to play that, and we'll be back in a few more minutes with some more things and stuff and a wrap-up. So stay tuned.
All right, all right. Yes, again, that was Prince doing Cream, and that was off of the 91 album, Diamonds and Pearls. And you wouldn't know it necessarily by listening to it, or maybe it's just me because I'm not really a, a lyrics guy. I'm always listening more to the music than the words. But after you know listening to it and, and pulling up some lyrics, it's a very uplifting tune. It's a very empowering tune. And yeah, it is basically saying, Cream rises to the top. The cream of the crop! Yes, thank you, Macho Man. That is correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cream of the crop, baby. It's hopeful. It's forward-thinking and looking and just, yeah. Sometimes it's time to kick ass, take names, and really, that's what it's about. And that's where I'm at, and that's where I hope all you guys are. Because there's a lot of things going on in the world, in our daily lives. Even those little struggles that we're all dealing with individually. Do not succumb. Do not give up. Always keep moving forward. And that's the bottom line with that. So, other things going on, as Michael would say. You know, what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week? Well, still, of course, doing new shows. I'm currently working on another episode of the Rockabilly Rumble, or flagship show. And other than that, you know, Michael Sean Lee will hopefully be back next week. Tanned, well-rested. Uh, with any luck, he'll have some funny stories for me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, truly, I miss my buddy when he's not around. It's amazing how you get used to people. But, uh, again, rest in peace to the video version of the podcast. Thank you, all of you who tuned in and checked it out. And, of course, as always, thank you so much around the world for your support. It is very, very much appreciated. And even listening to this show and the radio station, uh, right now, it's like a tie between the United States and Germany as far as who's listening the most. I love it. <laughs> and as far as, you know, hotbeds of listening to the podcast, it's kind of staying the same. Massively along the East Coast, the center of the United States, California, and then, of course, over in, uh, in Europe, Ireland, Scotland, France, even Spain, and, of course, Germany and some Scandinavian countries. They apparently like what we're doing there, so we're going to keep doing it. And all of you in the States, I hope you have uh, a very enjoyable fall. You know, it's football time again. Oh, thank goodness. Go Blue. My Michigan Wolverines kick off the season tomorrow. I'm very excited. Totally going for the national championship this year. And as far as my beloved New England Patriots, well, let's just take it one step at a time. It's it's a 17-game season, kids, so strap yourselves in. But enjoy watching all of your favorite teams, whoever they may be. I love you all, and we'll see you next time on the flip side. The cream, yeah. The cream of the crop! I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it better.